you from the love of God because through the finished work of Jesus you are umbilically connected to his love nothing can separate you no angel no demon nor height nor depth nothing in the past nothing in the present nothing in the future nothing can separate you from God's love because no one can pull you out of his hand and that is the good news of the gospel my friends once Jesus has us in his hands there's nothing that can get us out again nothing No demons, no tragedies, no thing that has ever been or will ever be can take us away from God's love. Today, Pastor Daniel shares with us how incredible the message of the gospel is to us and why the love it brings is so important to how we live. If we truly embrace that God loves us no matter what, we can extend that same love to everyone around us. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with part two of his message, The Art of Living is Loving. Symbols are loud, right? I've been playing music my entire life and when I was the bass player, I stand right next to the drummer and I have a ringing that comes in and out of my ears because the overtones of those cymbals are so loud, especially when I was playing, you know, rock and roll and heavy metal and those drummers, like, you know, no sense to hit the drum to make music. You got to slam that thing so the thing goes like this and it sounds crazy. And so, so your ears get all jacked up, right? Now, how many of you like standing next to a cymbal all day long every day? Anybody like love that? Like, I just want that symbol ringing in my ear 24 hours a day. Some of you do. I bet your spouse feels the same way about you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But listen, if you speak with the greatest eloquence, you have the language of heaven, but you have not love. You are just a headache waiting to happen. That's what this means. So eloquent speech is good. Tongues is good, but love is better. From there, notice what it says. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. See, now what he says, he's like, listen, not only is eloquence good, but love is better, but now all sorts of spiritual giftings, prophecy, the ability to understand mysteries, Unique supernatural knowledge, even the gift of faith that Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed in the sea, it will go. But if you have not love, it says you're nothing. So spiritual gifts are good, but love is better. Wow. This reminds us, of course, 1 Corinthians 8, 1, where it says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Wow. In a very educated society like ours, love is better. You could be the wisest, most credentialed person in your profession, but if you do not have love, it says, notice, I am nothing. Wow. And then verse 3 says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now this speaks of all sorts of sacrifice. 
whether you are exceedingly charitable with the resources that you have to help people who are impoverished, even the most ultimate sacrifice for somebody to give up their life for their faith in Jesus. It says, if I have not love, it profits me nothing. See, sacrifice is good, but love is better. This reminds me, Jesus said, John 15, verses 12 and 13, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for you. Because Jesus is saying, in a sense, what you need to realize is things are good. We shouldn't neglect eloquence. We shouldn't neglect spiritual giftings. We shouldn't neglect all sorts of sacrificial living. But love is even more important. Now, are we cultivating that? Love's a choice that you make. Love is a decision that you make in the moment to be different than what might come naturally. And Jesus' idea for the greatest commandment is I want you to live in what is best or better for your own lives. Now, from there in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, we learn something really important. That's the fact that love is specific. Love is specific. Why? Because the Apostle Paul defines love. He doesn't want to leave it up to chance. He doesn't want you to think for one second that any idea you have about love is love. He's saying, I want to define it for you. And the love that's being spoken about here, this love that is better, is very specific. Now I want to read it to you. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, love suffers long, or some of your translations say love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Now, this is a kind of a powerful definition of love, isn't it? Now, there's a couple of things that you need to know about this. First... The definition of love is all described using verbs, which speaks to the fact that love is something that you do, right? They're all verbs here. And this is what happens. This is who we become when the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This specific definition of love, this self-sacrificial love, this love that is not needing to be deserved to be given, but is given proactively. It's the work of the Spirit. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love. But not only that, these verbs are all in the present continuous tense in the Greek, which denotes actions and attitudes which have become habitual that are completely being repeated over and over again. So what that means is that this love is not something that you understood or practiced in the past. It's something that maybe it great it happened in the past. It has to be happening right now. And I think what happens for us, for many of us, is we can look back on a time when we were really committed to the art of living that's loving, this specific love in the Bible, but now that love has begun to grow cold. Maybe in certain areas of your life right now, That love has been growing cold. Where there was a time, maybe on your wedding day, 
right? I love when I see couples when they're getting married. I always tell people, as someone who's officiated many, many weddings, when the bride comes around the corner, I never look at the bride. I always look at the groom. Because that is the best moment of the entire wedding. When a man is standing there and his eyes see his bride in her wedding gown. And listen, I've never once been at a wedding or officiated a wedding where they didn't say, I'm going to love you with everything I got for the rest of my life. Never one. Anybody been to a wedding like that? A wedding that they don't say that? But then you fast forward like two years or 20 years. And all of a sudden, what happens? Where is this? I am going to pursue you with all that I have. See, I can see it in my own life. I love my bride and land. We've been married for 13 years. And as I'm preparing this, I'm like, man, I could look back at a time when I was more passionate to pursue my wife's heart than I am right now. And I'm like, oh, Lord, okay. You need to do a fresh work. But I need to get back to the most important things. And I confess that before you all because I know the same is true for many of us. See, the love that God wants us to have is specific. It's important. And it's something that needs to be practiced today. Now, what's fascinating is Karl Barth is a very well-known theologian. Now, you guys know this. When I quote somebody, it doesn't mean I agree with everything they've ever said. And, you know, it's, we live in a weird day and age where if you quote somebody, everyone thinks, oh, they're agreeing with everything that person ever did, which is nuts. It's just a good quote. Karl Barth's brilliant, but I don't agree with everything that Barth stood for. And, but what's fascinating is Karl Barth broke down this passage into three different ways. He said first, from verse 4 to the beginning of verse 5, that it deals with love and the darkness within ourselves. And then from the middle of verse 5 and verse 6, it deals with love and the darkness in others. And then verses 7 and the beginning of verse 8, Love and the apparent darkness in God. Now, what's funny is, is years and years ago, I, I wrote this framework down and I see it to be true. First, it's us and then it's others and then it's how do we deal with who God is. But you know what I realized just studying it for this message is that Karl Barth broke down the specific definition of love into inward, outward, and upward. Ho, ho, ho. So I think if Karl was here today, he'd endorse my book. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> This specific definition of love is powerful. Now, here's what's really powerful. You guys want some homework to do for the rest of your life? Nobody raised their hands. Okay, so if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your homework for the rest of your life. Okay? I'm going to give it to you right here. I want you to take verses 4 to the beginning of verse 8. And every time you see the word love, I want you to put Jesus' name in there. Check it out. Jesus suffers long. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not parade himself. Jesus is not puffed up. Jesus does not behave rudely. Jesus does not seek his own. Jesus is not provoked. Jesus thinks no evil. Jesus does not rejoice in iniquity, but Jesus rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things, and Jesus endures all things, Jesus never fails. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. That reads like hand in glove, and that is why Jesus is Savior and Lord. And that is why Jesus, 
was an acceptable sacrifice unto his father for my sins and for your sins. That is why I am more grateful today than on the day that I got saved to say that I believe in Jesus. Because Jesus never fails. And Jesus is so patient. He's so kind. And Jesus doesn't keep records of your wrongs. And Jesus doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but Jesus rejoices in the truth. And that is why Jesus deserves our allegiance and our loyalty. The Bible says that we bow the knee to Jesus. We say, Lord, you are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my life. And that is why Jesus laid down his life for us. Because when it boils down to the specifics of what true, real love is, Jesus is rock solid. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, why would you not want to follow true love? Why not? I mean, what would hold you back from following true love? I know what holds us back. The fact that true love absolutely transforms our lives. And for many of us, we don't want our lives to be transformed. We're nervous that certain things that we like, Jesus is going to ask us to step away from. And you know what I've learned? That's exactly what he does. Because certain things that we like are not right. Certain things that we like are not loving. You know how I know? Remember your homework? Now I want you to put your name in there. Put your name in this definition. Daniel suffers long. (laughs) How many of you guys ever see my impatience at work? Don't raise your hands. Just pray for me. You know, I'm a right now guy. Come on, let's go do this thing. If something takes too long, I'm like, we got going. Come on, we got time. We got no time. I have all the reasons why. Daniel is kind. Ah, You haven't seen me before coffee in the morning. (laughs) Nothing funnier when when I'm making coffee. If I see either Lynn or the kids and they're like, morning, I'm like, you know, it's good to see you. (laughs) Now, you put your name in. I mean, some of you are incredibly patient and some of you are incredibly kind. So maybe you make it through the first two characteristics. But by the time you read the list, you realize that all of us fall short of this standard, this specific definition. And my friends, that's the point. That's the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is that when true love is the standard, when pure, self-sacrificial, life-giving love with no expectation of anything in return is the standard, all of us fall short in some way. How many of you ever kept records of wrongs for someone you love? Like they got something wrong and you're not going to let them live it down. We'll move past that. I know I could work this one for hours, you know what I mean? Because we all have that. But then it says love doesn't keep records of wrongs. How many times have we behaved rudely? Just didn't respond the right way. See, Jesus' love is specific and God is interested in transforming us from our failed attempts at love to become more and more conformed to his love. And that's why the fruit of the Spirit is love. Because the Spirit of God, as he dwells in the life of a believer, begins to cultivate an environment where the love of God is the first response. 
But it's not there naturally. It's because of the the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why believing in Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in him, we are justified, which means we were guilty, but now we're not guilty. We were outside of God's family, and now we're inside God's family. And at the moment a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, then the Spirit of God takes up residence in their life and begins to change the entire environment internally in a person because of the Spirit's presence. And now all of a sudden, these shoots of fruit of love starts to boil up in our lives. No sermon on love is going to make us love as Jesus loved. Only the Spirit of God who came because of Jesus' love will do that. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus before, listen, I want to tell you, you should run into the arms of Jesus because the love that you deeply long for will never be found in a person who you're attracted to or this thing that you've always wanted that you're like, when I get that, then I'll really know love. No, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. And listen to what it says. Paul ends great Romans chapter 8. Verses 37 to 39, this way. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. What that means is that God, no matter what happens, nothing can sever you from the love of God because through the finished work of Jesus, you are umbilically connected to his love. Nothing can separate you. No angel, no demon, no height, nor death, nothing in the past, nothing in the present, nothing in the future, nothing can separate you from God's love because no one can pull you out of his hand. And that is the good news of the gospel, my friends. That's the best news ever. When love starts to reach a person's heart, all of a sudden their life changes. They become obsessed with this love. They're Facebook stalking people and, you know, and they're looking at their phone. Is the text coming in? Is the text coming in? And you're, you're waiting for the next thing. And that's the way we should be with Jesus. Amen. Where we're just so enraptured by this love that he has for us. This love that would cause him to lay down his life for us. But not only is love better, not only is love specific, but look what it says. After it says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child... I spoke as a child, verse 11. I understood as a child and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly and then face to face. Now I know in part and then I shall know just as I am known. What this teaches us is that love is eternal. See, all these other things that are listed here, they're all good things, but none of them are eternal things. See, He already used ideas of spiritual giftings, tongues, all these things in verses 1 and 2. And then he comes back to them. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Knowledge, it's going to vanish away. Now, before I move on this, because some pastors want to take these verses to mean that the gifts of the Spirit don't work today. My friends, that is not what this means at all. And these are people who, like, some of the pastors who espouse this view, they love God, they love the Bible, they're very serious about the Bible, but it completely misses the point of what this is talking about. What it's saying is that prophecies are for here and now. Tongues are for here and now. 
knowledge. This is for here and now. And there's a time when that stuff's not going to be necessary because when Jesus returns, when we know as we are known, then all there will be is the love of God, that agape of God. And all these other things, like, it's not like we're going to be having afterglow sessions in heaven with the Lord. Like, we're all going to be waiting around for like, oh, listen to that glory that, you know, that tongue just got spoken. It's like, man, we're going to be in the presence of God in totality. Those things will cease because God will be all in all. These are temporary measures for this side of eternity. But really what this is saying, it's emphasizing once again that God's love is the most important thing. And us walking in this love, that's why I call the art of living is loving. Because if each one of us walk away today and say, I want my experience of God's love upward and me returning that love to him, I want to love God more. I want to experience more of God's love. And then because of God's love that he loves me, I want to learn how to love myself more. And if you say, and I want to learn how to love everybody else around me more, then to me, this is the most important message you'll ever hear. The book breaks open how to cultivate upward, inward, and outward love. I'm going to be taking one for upward, one for inward, one for outward, just to give you a little tease and a taste of it. But the beauty is, is Paul links this love to maturity. Notice what he says in these verses, in verse 11. When I was... To move back to verse 10, and when that which is perfect has come, or that which is complete or fully mature has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now listen, I love my kids, but my kids are childish, and they're supposed to be, God bless them, you know what I mean? Like when I look at my little Annabelle, so she's three, and I look at Maranatha, and she's nine. I look at Obadiah when he's 12. When they're being childish, I realize that that's a temporary condition. And I say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I say, oh, praise God. Like Annabelle's in that age right now where she just wants to take everything out. And once she takes everything out, her purpose is done. And no matter how much I say, Annabelle, why don't you clean up all this stuff? Why? Now, I know some of you are still in that stage where like your, that's, your house looks like bomb hit it and that's how you live and that's praise God. But we're hoping that our kids are going to make their way out of that thing because there's nothing worse than when you step on a Lego. Can I get an amen? Those of you who don't have kids yet, you wait till you step on your first set of Legos. We'll see how long suffering you are. <laughs> I was going to be the kindest dad ever. I stepped on a like, you know. I was like, uh, what was his name? Yosemite Sam. Suffering succotash. You know, that was me. But you know that this childlikeness, this childishness is temporary. But we always have to remember that God's love is meant to be experienced for us like children. Jesus is Have you considered what being loved by God is? As Pastor Daniel took us through the love chapter in today's message, we learned exactly what this love is defined as, but also realized that once we have that love, we can't lose it. Nothing can separate us from God because of the gospel. 
Jesus' ultimate sacrifice has linked us forever to the Creator. We can grow and thrive in the embrace of God's love knowing that. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel introduces the first of the three ways we love, our relationship with God. In fact, this will be the most important one to work on. How we view our Heavenly Father influences how we see ourselves and how we see the world around us. As we accept and work on giving God's love back to Him, we'll find that the other two can fall into place much more easily. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast on behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.